Well, a warm welcome to those who are joining us online. If you are listening or watching a podcast, do write to us. We would love to hear from you. If the message has blessed you in any way, let us know. And uh, we're just so thankful you're joining us. And we pray today's message would bless you. Church, can we just say a big hello to those who are online? Fantastic. I want to start off uh, today. I, I mean, I, I'm, I've, I've been awake since four. I can't sleep when Anita's away. She's just like, uh, yeah, I know. It's, 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 it's hard. She's getting more speaking opportunities than men. No, I'm just joking. But, uh, but it, it's, it's just great to see what, what God is doing in different ones, speaking in different places and things. It's just fantastic. But I, I want to start off this morning with a story or in Bible terms, a parable. Just a uh, a, a parable that a, a pastor was invited to dinner. He was invited to dinner and uh, by this family, lovely family, good people, and uh, they said, "Could you come to dinner?" And because the pastor's coming, they wanted to put their very best effort on. Please, when the pastor's coming, no, I'm just joking. But the, they, they want to put out their best plates, their best silverware, their best, you know, the best glasses and all that. They want to make it as fancy as possible for uh, the past. They want it to be a real special um, evening. And, and so eventually the day came and the pastor turned up and they had a wonderful meal and they shared and they ate and they uh, enjoyed uh, fellowship together. But towards the end of the time, they started cleaning up. The pastor had gone home and blessed them and, and, and uh, gone home. And they started to uh, clean up. And I don't know if you've seen this or you have one of these in there uh, in your house. But there's, they took their silverware and started to put it back in the box, you know, in each one of its slots. And as they got to the uh, end of the, the uh, you know, putting, putting it all in, they, they noticed that one silver spoon was missing. One silver spoon was, was, and this was a precious set. had been handed down by a mother and stuff like this. So I was like, they start stressing out, where's the silver spoon? They look under the table, they look everywhere, and they, they, they can't find the silver spoon. And then um, the wife goes, you don't suppose the pastor stole the silver spoon, do you? You don't think he took the silver spoon and, and he's like no he couldn't have. He, would, he wouldn't have done that surely no it's like well where's it gone then what it looks like you know pastor's salary and all no just no, just a joke just a joke okay some of you didn't get that all right so but 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 you know you don't you, you, don't, you don't suppose he's taken the silver spoon where is it where's it where, where's it gone and so they didn't know and life went on and but they couldn't stop thinking about it a month passed two months passed six months passed and they're like stressed out it's like I just can't believe it. I think the pastor's stolen it He's stolen the spoon. And, and so, so they couldn't bear it anymore and said, we've got to confront him. We've got to speak to the pastor about, uh, about this. And so they made an appointment, went into his office. I said, Pastor, you know, a few months ago you came uh, to dinner with us and you uh, ate with us. And, you know, we put out our best cutlery and that. But we, when we finished, we noticed that one of our silver spoons was gone. And look, we're just sorry to be frank, but we want to ask you, did you steal our spoon? Did you steal the spoon? And the pastor says, no, no, I didn't steal the spoon. He said, but I do know where it is. And they said, well, where, where is it? He said, I put it in your Bible. Pause for effect. Would you have found the spoon? Would you have found the spoon? It's gone quiet in this <laughs> here church. 
See, we live in a time where many Christians respect and revere the Word, but we don't always read or recite or feed from it. We revere it, but we don't read and feed from it. Does that describe you? And uh, I'm, I'm sure many of you are thinking, uh, probably not. It's probably the people in the next service. Come on, somebody. It's, it's, a, it's probably somebody else. But I'm really asking today, does that describe you? And I'm actually using the word you on purpose. And I know that as I'm using the word you, I'm actually breaking one of the cardinal rules of preaching. Which is don't use you if you're, if you're pointing or trying to share something. Don't use the word you. Make it we and our and, uh, you know, this is our thing. And would, would, would we have found the spoon? No, no, I'm saying you. Yeah. To the person next to you and say he's talking to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to you. And... and I'm using the word you on purpose because I want this message to be personal to you. I want you to take it as a personal challenge to you. And all the time while I'm doing it, I want you to remember I'm Pastor Adam. I love you. I'm trying to help you here today. Come on. About three of you. Others are not so sure. I really am trying to help you today. You see, we live in the most informed generation ever. But one fast becoming one of the most biblically illiterate ever. Second Timothy 3.16 says this, All Scripture, not just some of it, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for what? For teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It says all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful. And you've got to think about that. You go, really? I mean, all of it? All of it, really? Is, 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 it, is it all useful? I mean, what about the genealogies? I mean, some of that, you read this and you go, why did God put that in there? What's the point? You know, Book of Matthew, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah. And you can't even say some of these names. Come on. I mean, what's the point of having that in there? Come on, I need, I've got appointments. I've got busy things. I've got things to do. Are these? And listen, I've got, in my life, my Christian life, have gone through and wondered, what is that in there for? Like the book of Numbers. People say, gosh, it's not about numbers. Well, God thinks it's about numbers. Come on, he's, he's put a whole book about numbers in there. What is that? And, and, and again, sometimes you can look at it, but I want to tell you every part of Scripture, all Scripture, come on, I need to hear some more amens, is God-breathed. And, and even in genealogies, I started to understand this in a far deeper way, even just recently by watching testimonies of, of Jewish people who had converted to Christ who became followers of Christ. What was the thing that converted them? Well, mostly Isaiah 53. And then they started opening the first book of the New Testament. And as they opened the first book of the New Testament, they saw uh, the gospel according to Matthew, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And they suddenly realized, oh my goodness, Jesus was a Jew. Yeah. He's one of us. 
And as they realize that and that God opens their eyes, they can, they can see, oh my goodness, because they, they think he's a Jew hater. They don't realize, they do not understand that Jesus is a Jew. That has been kept from them. And so as their eyes open to that and they start to read that there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David. So Abraham was his father. Abraham was his father. 14 generations from Abraham to David. He's from the line of King David. 14 from David to the exile of Babylon and 14 from the exile to Christ. Suddenly this genealogy makes a difference and he changes his life. All scripture is God breathed. All of it. I love how the message paraphrase version puts that same passage. It says this, every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another. Showing us truth. Exposing your rebellion. Oh, I'm using that on purpose. It exposes your rebellion. It exposes my rebellion. Have we ever been rebellious? Front rows, the others are not too sure. It exposes, the Word of God exposes your rebellion. It makes us uncomfortable, doesn't it? But that's what the Word of God does. It exposes your and my rebellion. It corrects our mistakes of which we make many. Training you to live God's way. Through the word we put together, we are put together and are shaped up for the task God has for us. This is why we've got to know it. This is why we've got to know the word of God. This is why we have to understand it. In fact, the Bible says the word, it's a lamp. It's a lamp. It's a lamp when we need direction. It's something that illuminates the way ahead, which means for you and I as Christians, we don't have to walk in the dark. We don't have to walk around in the dark. Psalm 119 says this, Thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The word is not only a lamp, it's, it's food to us, it's it's food that nourishes. Nourishes our souls. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, it's a lamp, it's, it's food, it's a sword. It's a sword for our battles. It's a, it's a weapon to fight with, to do, to do battle with. And we all have battles we need to fight. Some of you are fighting battles right now. You're fighting battles in your mind. You're fighting battles in your heart. You're fighting battles in your relationships. Right in this auditorium, in every service, there will be people right now fighting battles. Physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. There'll be those going through wars on the inside of them. You'll have stuff coming on the outside. You'll have stuff going on on the inside. 
But I'm asking you today, I'm challenging you today. And saying in those battles, in those problems, in that pain, have you even picked up the sword? Are you even applying the the word to your life? Or, Or are you searching some friend or Googling some answer? Or are you grabbing hold of the very weapon? Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding. Are you, are you grabbing hold of the very weapon that God has placed before you? It's got to be good today. I'm spitting. <laughs> you want to get under the anointing? Come sit down here right now. It's a lamp. It's food. It's a sword. Some of you are going through health battles. Some of you are going through... Relationship battles, whatever it is, have you even picked up the sword? Are you even applying what it says? Are you looking for some quick answer somewhere? Oh, my friend will know. Second Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourself approved unto God a workman or workwoman that needs to not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It says, Study. Study to show yourself. Yeah, here's the thing. I, I want to say this. Engagement with God's Word must be more than the mere study of it. I'll say it again. Engagement with God's Word must be more than the mere study of it. Theology, of course. We talk about theology and theology is important. Theology is the study of God. It's what theology means. But again, how would you like it if people were only interested in you for study purposes? See, God's not just after your head. He's after your heart. He wants your heart. See, Scripture encourages you. Scripture encourages you to hide God's Word in your heart. We're encouraged in Scripture to to meditate and to memorize God's Word. So I'm asking here today, do you? Have you? When was the last time you said, I'm going to learn that I'm going to get that on the inside Of me. I'm Pastor Adam, I love you. I'm trying to help you. Come on. Because I'm concerned about the state of the church, not this church, but the state of the church in the nation with its lack of understanding of the word. And so this is a push to say, step it up. I'm my pastor said, No, no, no. What have you studied? Scripture encourages us to hide God's word in our heart, to memorize, to meditate on it. So do you. Psalm 119 verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart. And again, I just want to say here, this is not just the New Testament. This is like, because I meet some Christians that go, oh, it's just the New Testament. Oh, you know, I'm not one of those Old Testament people. I just, I just read the New the New Testament, I'm a New Testament kind of, kind of guy. Can I just say this? When Jesus said, it is written, 
When Jesus said it is written, remember there was no New Testament. So where was it written? There were, there were no Gospels. There was no Matthew, Mark, Luke or, Luke or John. Jesus was referring to what? He was referring to the, to the, to the Torah and to the Tanakh. And in fact, when Christ's disciples were speaking of that which was written, that's what they were referring to too. There was no New Testament. They weren't turned to the book of Colossians. It didn't exist. That's all the disciples knew. There was no New Testament. The Torah being what? When you hear that, sometimes you hear the Torah. They study the Torah. What's the Torah? The first five books of the Bible. Another name, the first five books of Moses. Christian writers, when they often write about it, they don't call it the Torah. They call it the Pentateuch, which means five books. The first five books of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. First five books. What the Jews called the Tanakh is what we as Christians call the Old Testament. And we're going to understand that for, for Jews or Jewish life, Jewish life, much of their time is devoted to meditating on it, memorizing it, getting it in them. But for the Christ follower, can I just say in these days, in these modern times that we live where we're all so busy. This has all but become a lost art. And listen, the reason I want you to get into the Word, the reason I want you to get into the Word is so the Word can get into you. On the inside of you. Another version Psalm 119 verse, uh, verse 11 says, Your word I have treasured. Everybody say treasured. treasured. The treasured. It's, it's, I've treasured in my heart. I like, I like the word treasured better than hidden. Treasured speaks of something valued and something valuable. I'm going to ask you today, and don't answer it. Don't answer it quick or flippant. You can answer privately in your head, but don't answer it's quick, but I want to ask you, if you are honest, do you really treasure God's Word? Do you really understand? I know you revere it. I know it's like you, maybe you've got 20 versions at home. And hey, have you got the latest passion version? No, I haven't. Well, I have. And I bought this Bible, a new one. It's leather and it's got gold leaf thingamajiggies. I know we revere it. That's not what I'm asking. I'm like, do you treasure God's word? Do you really understand its value? Do you, do you understand its power and its promises? See, what I'm really asking you is, do you, do you submit your life to its authority? Do you submit your, your, your life to its authority? I'm talking about in your marriage when you're, when you're fussing and you're fighting. Come on. I can say this because Anita's not here. <laughs> Cut that out of the video, guys. But when you're fussing and you're fighting, when you're going through pain, when you're going through stuff, when you're arguing, do you at a point stop and go, okay, what does the Word say about how we're to relate? Right. Do, you, do you submit to the authority yeah. of the Word or you just want to do your thing? Mm. So I'm asking, do we honestly treasure God's Word? 
in our marriage, in our relationships, in your, in your finances? Do you, do you just do your thing or you do what God wants you to do? Raising your kids, your, your family. Why am I trying this? No, no, what does the word of God say about raising your kids? What does it teach? So I'm asking you, do you allow the word of God to shape you? To mold you, your, 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 your values, your, your ethics, your sense of what's right and what's wrong. And, and, and do, do you allow the Word of God to, to mess with, with your morality? I mean, everybody's telling us we should do this and we should do that. But do you allow the Word of God? Do you submit to it? I mean, we're dealing as a nation with issues that are beyond. You know, should we legalize marijuana? I will. No. From an ex-marijuana smoker, I can just tell you, no. Otherwise, you'll be these sermons like, hey, man, good to have. And I was just like, no, no. See, everybody say, no, don't do it. It blows my mind. We're trying to make New Zealand smoke-free, and we say, but you can smoke that. Come on, somehow. I mean, it's just like, what about babies? We talk about the Old Testament times, how they used to, Sacrifice children. We're sacrificing thousands of children. Oh, that could never happen. No, we're sacrificing thousands of children. You got a chance this week to write, write a submission. You can grab it off the, off the desk there. I've already written mine. I wrote mine some to every politician in, in the country saying, this is crazy. I, I, I said to them, it's amazing to me. It is amazing to me that everybody who's voting for this has already been born. They've already got to say. They've already got to uh, It's like, you're already here. We've got to speak up for those who can't speak. But do you allow the Word of God? Do you allow it to affect your morality? Do you allow it to affect your ethics and your values? Or you're just going to do, well, I'll see how I feel. No, you need to do, we need, listen. The, the, the Word of God is not something to look over. It's something to come under. Come on. I might be disturbing some people here today. I don't know. You allow the word to shape you. Because if you aren't, then I'll ask, what is shaping you? Who is shaping you? Because if the word doesn't shape you, the world will. It just will. So I want to tell you today that the scriptures are far more, are much more than just a divine self-help book. I'm just telling you. Five tips to live your best life now. The Bible is far more than just a little get Go in a TED talk. I want to just tell you. The Bible is there to change our lives. Scripture is much more than just, like I say, a divine self-help book where, where, where we can pick and choose our favorite scriptures like we used to pick lollies when we were kids. Oh, I like that one. Oh, I don't like that one. We mix and match where commands are just suggestions. It's much more than that. It's a book about picking up your cross. It's a book about a king and a kingdom. It's a, it's a book about a mission and a mandate to go into all the world and preach the gospel. It's a, it's a, it's a book about our role as disciple makers to go into all the world and make disciples and your part in it. It's, it's, a, it's not a lucky charm to be rubbed 
when I get in trouble. Come on. That's what it says. You know, we treat them like a lawyer. We only call them when we're in trouble. Come on. But it's not that. It's not a, it's not a lucky charm to, you know, oh, hold it. Coach, I've got my special powers. That's far more than a lucky charm. It's a way of life to be followed. Like I said, his word is not something to be looked over. It's something to submit under. It's something that, that comes, God, as you're speaking into my life, not my will be done, but yours. What's your desire for my life? What's your desire for my business? What's your desire for my family? What's your desire for my relationships? What's your desire? Come on, somebody. Why do we ask him? Because we, we know his thoughts are higher than ours. His way is high, uh, are higher than ours. They're, they're bigger. They're, uh, they're greater. And Proverbs tells us many of the plans are of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. So, Lord, we want your purpose at work in our life. Your word I have treasured in my heart. Jesus said this in Luke 6.45. He said, For it is out of the abundance of the heart, that his mouth speaks. In other words, if the word's not in here in the heart, what will flow out there? If it's not here, what will flow out there? I'm trying to lose some weight. I hope you've noticed I am losing a little bit of weight. Send me letters saying, well done. Just, I'm not holding it in even. But one of my routines that I do is every morning I take these lemons and I, I, I cut them and Squeeze it, add a bit of apple cider vinegar, and I, I, I drink it. But I've noticed that when I squeeze the lemons, every morning lemon juice comes out. It's just, yeah, no, it's not rocket science, it's right. When the world squeezes you, what comes out? When you get squeezed in your life, what comes out? Because if the word is not in here, what will come out there? Come on, the preacher's preaching good. When life squeezes you, oh, and it will squeeze you. What comes out? If the word is not in here, it can be very surprising what comes out there. You know who you are. We've all been squeezed. See, Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so he is, as he thinks, not as he feels. We live in a world that's so obsessed with how we feel. We need to start about how we think, not how we feel. When a madman does something crazy, shoots something, kills someone, no one goes and asks them, how do you feel? They, they, they say, or what were you feeling? They say, what were you thinking? And this scripture tells me that the thinking is not done here. The thinking is done where? In the heart. So I want to tell you, if the scripture is not in here, it can be surprising what will come out there. If the word's not in the heart, what will come out? The mouth, Jesus said, the good person out of the good treasure of the heart 
brings forth good. In another version, it uses the word treasury. Out of the treasury, you've got a, a storage place. Your, your treasury, out of the good person, out of the good treasury of his heart, brings forth good. An evil man, out of the evil treasury of his heart, will bring forth evil. So what's in the heart matters. For out of the abundance of the heart, his or hers mouth speaks. In other words, what's in your heart, the mouth will speak. So I want to encourage you to put God's Word in your heart. I'm Pastor Adam. I love you. I'm trying to help you. See, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, you know, it says the Word of God is alive. It's alive. It's not just information. It's alive. And see, because it's, because it's alive, that, that information, when it gets inside your heart, can bring revelation. If you allow it to bring the revelation of God, then it can bring transformation to your life. We, there, there are so many areas we need to transform yeah. in our lives. So the Word of God is alive, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges. Now, some people say, well, don't judge me. I'm not, but the Word of God will judge you. Yeah. How many here, you know, you, you've done something and, and straight away something, the Spirit of God's just, it's just woken you up. But what does it say? It says it judges what? It judges your thoughts. It judges your attitudes when you have a stink attitude. Instead of having an attitude of gratitude, it judges us. Come on, how many have had that happen? Come on, be honest now. Just saying lying is a problem too. Come on, that's just a... It judges us. It, it, it judges our thoughts. And I mean, nobody else might know your thoughts, but He knows your thoughts. He judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That's why Colossians 3.16 says, Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. Richly. Everybody say richly. It's not just a little bit. Richly dwell within you. Another version says among you because again, too, we can just do our own thing. We've got to do life together. It talks about knowing the Word, getting this on the inside together because sometimes we make decisions and do things and we sometimes say like, well, hey, do you realize the Word of God? Well, I feel, no, 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 not what you feel. What does the Word of God say? On that. That's why connect groups are so, 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 so important. If you're in a, not in a connect group, why not? Yeah. Why are you trying to do life alone? How do you think you can, you can do that? We're, we're designed to be in community. It's not, not only a nice thing, it's a Bible thing. It's a Bible thing. Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. And the psalmist gives the reasons that he does so. He says, your word I have uh, treasured in my heart that, listen, that I might not sin against you. God, that I might not grieve you, but rather please you. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. His, his word will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from his word. This book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. We need to get it inside our hearts. 
See, Psalm 37 verse 31 says, The law of God is in his heart. The law of God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. His steps do not slip. His steps do not slip. When you get the law of God in your heart, when you start to understand it, your steps, it, it helps steady your way. I'm trying to help you here. People, people say to me, oh, Pastor, I can't do it. Pastor, I can't do it. I can't memorize even one verse. Yes, you can. Stop saying that. We'll do it right now. Everybody say John 11.35. Oh, come on, people. Come on. Let's say it like we're going to believe. We're going to memorize right now. You're going to leave this place. And even if you're not a Christian here today, you can you, you memorize this. Okay? Because people say, hey, you, know, you don't even know the Bible. You can go, yes, I do. John 11.35. So here we go. John 11.35. Say it. Say it one more time. What scripture are we talking about? To John 11.35. John 11.35. Come on, John. Say it five times quick. John 11.35. John 11.35. John 11.35. John 11.35. John 11.35. What is it? Here's the text. John 11.35. Come on, put it up on the screen for us. Jesus wept. We're going to do it. We're going to nail this today. Come on. Shortest verse in the Bible. Shortest verse. We're going to have a memory verse done and dusted. John 11.35 says... John 11.35 says, John 11.35 says, Friends, you are not going to forget that. Jesus wept. You don't know it's the shortest verse of the Bible and you have it and you've got it. But we can take that and as we meditate on God, Jesus weeps. He weeps over our sin and he weeps over our rebellion and he weeps over our mess and he weeps over our thing. But his heart is for us. He doesn't weep because he don't like us. He weeps because he loves us. If we can take and go, God, you weep over us. You weep over your people. You weep and grieve over our sin and over our mess and over our shame. But God, if we would give our lives to you today, oh, would you change me? Would you shift me? Would you move my life, my heart? John 11.35 says what? Jesus wept. You've nailed it. You've nailed it just like that. You guys are pros. We'll be testing people next week. John 11.35. Jesus wept. But here's the thing. You probably know far more than that. You probably know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, so that whomsoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Advised to say to you, Our Father, the art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be. You just don't. You just don't know. You think you can't do it, but you already know. You already know Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans. Come on, you know it. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I, I, every week I, I get up there, I say, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does it my help come from? God is able to do a measure more than all we can ask or imagine. Couldn't do his power. Again, what is it? It's just getting it on the inside of you. Now, Pastor Adam, I'm trying to help you. There are a million different... Google things you can find out how to memorize and write it down and say it 15 times or whatever. 
here's why you should do it. Listen, Joshua 1.8, and I'm closing with this. Joshua 1.8 it says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful. Everybody say careful. Be careful. And that's not something to muck around on. To be careful to do according to all that is written in it. There's no point in learning it without doing it. Come on. For then, listen, if you do it, for then, and it uses the word you. For then you. So if you do this, if you're careful to do this, then you will make your way, what? Prosperous. And then you will have success. You will make your way prosperous and you will have success. I don't know about you, but I want to be successful. I don't know about you, but I want God's heart to prosper every life here today. That's my heart. My heart as a pastor is that you should succeed. My heart is that you should prosper, that your family would be blessed, that your household would be blessed. How do you do it? We bring ourselves under the Word of God. There endeth the lesson. Turn to the person next to you and say, I like that. But let's do it. Let's do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask you today. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you're here today and you know you're not right with God, my friend, I want to tell you, there is a space and place that the Bible speaks about of judgment. The Bible says that man is born once and then is destined to die. There's no reincarnation. There's no nothing. That, that, that is it. And after that, face judgment. There is a judgment coming. We cannot mess around. Friend, your life is so fragile. Here today, gone tomorrow. Are you a living a life for God? Do you need today to repent? Do you need today to turn to Him? Do you need today to say, I'm tired of living my own way? I need to submit myself to the rulership of Christ in my life. If you've never done that, but right now you're feeling, the Bible says He knocks on the door of our heart. If we would open that door, He will come in. He will come in and lead your life if you want Him to. There's no pressure. There's no force. We open the door. If you're here today and you're saying, I need to open that door. I need to get right with God. Maybe you've backslidden. Maybe you've known what it was to know Him. You've fallen away. But you know you need to get right with God. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. That prayer says, Lord, come into my heart. Come into my life. And if you are saying, man, I want to be included in that prayer. I need to give my life to Jesus today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Would you just put your hand right up in the ear so I can see it? You're just saying, oh, you need to get right. Thank you down the back. There, anyone else? You know, thank you. Anyone else, you know you need to get right with God. Don't mess around today. Anybody else, you know you need to get right with God. Right, you can slip those hands down. Let's pray this all together. Lord Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Saviour. Forgive me of my sin. I turn from it to follow you, to follow your way. Today, be my Saviour and my Lord. This I ask in Jesus' name.